Welcome, everyone. My name is Rick Bonkowski, and this is the Amped Up to 11 podcast. Hey, I am super pumped about our guest today. We have Steve Chamberlain here. You know, I was commenting to a friend the other day. They were asking me, what's the thing I enjoy most about hosting this podcast? And I have to say, unequivocally, it is definitely that I get to talk to my heroes. Steve is one of those people that I've followed for a long time. He is a former pro wrestler, and he is the visionary and founder behind the 50 Legs Charity Organization, an incredible group of people that continue to gift prosthetics to veterans, children, adults, and even provide aftercare. Steve Chamberlain, welcome to the show, my man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. How's everybody doing? We are doing great. Uh, where are you in the world right now? The only reason I ask is because I know you are an incredibly busy guy. Most of my following of you is usually seeing you go from one part of the country to another. So where are you this morning? <laughs> I'm in Florida right now. It's back home. Oh. Well, home's originally Boston, but I'm in Florida where I live now for 20 years. Florida, beautiful place. Um, oh. Paradise. I actually, as a kid, uh, used to vacation. My parents had a home near Fort Myers, a place called Captiva. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you probably heard of it, being a Floridian. Yeah. It, just a, a paradise, really. Uh, amazing place to vacation. I have a ton of memories there, and I don't get back there often enough. Now, you said that you are originally from Boston. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I grew up in uh, back in Massachusetts, um, and um, when I uh, when I got my motorcycle license in 1999, I I fell on ice, and I'm like, I ain't living in this stuff. There's got to be a better place. So I started. Re I was wrestling at Killer Kowalski's in Malden, Mass. When I lost my leg, and then I heard about this wrestling school in Florida, Steve Kearns. So I was like, man, I'm uh, let's take a chance. So I sold everything and moved down to Florida. And, haven't looked back yet. I mean, I go back enough for the charity, but I'm, I'm I probably go back to Boston four or five times a year for charity events. Oh, that's wonderful. So I have to assume, you know, given your stature, you know, obviously you're 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 a big guy. You've got a height advantage, and from what I've been reading about you, a very athletic person. I mean, let's let's face it, to go into pro wrestling, I mean, you really got to be at the top of your game physically. When you were growing up in Boston, I mean, was sports like a big part of your life? Oh, that was everything. I mean, that saved me from quitting school was high school football. And then you just, the camaraderie and then meet with the teammates and everything was just fun, you know? And then when we got older, you know, we all wanted to keep playing sports. So we, there was like four of us that kept playing semi-pro football. We played junior hockey. We all played hockey. And then when I was like 29, the year I lost my leg, I'm like, I want to start doing something. And I knew Triple H pretty good. Uh, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the school he went to. So I used to train with Prince Albert. And then I, I, I uh, with a fake leg, I never had a leg when I wrestled. Oh, uh, man. So I got hired with WWE in 2002 with a fake leg. That's, and, a, uh, that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, that's incredible. That's actually a part of your story. That I, yeah. that I did not know. So that's, for me anyway, I don't know others, but for me, that's kind of a reveal. I mean, and yeah, that... Yeah, so Lucas, 
I used to train with this guy, Brian Day. He was like six foot five, three fifteen. I was six three, two seventy-five-ish. Wow. And it was the like it was it was fun because like when I got in the ring with the bigger guys like Brian Adams and then uh like guys like that, it was the first time in my life at six foot three, two hundred, you know, back when I wrestled with when I got hired with WWE, I was two ninety-five. Wow. So when I wrestled with Brian Adams at three something, it was the first time as a man as strong as I was, I felt like a little girl. He was so strong, <laughs> he could just throw me like like a rag doll. I was like, this is not fun, man. I thought I was a tough kid growing up. Like, here we are getting manhandled by a grown ass man. Well, being that size too, I would imagine it's a little humbling when suddenly you feel like you're being tossed around like a rag doll, you know? Yeah, it was definitely humbling. Yes, sir. See, I did not know that. So of course all these new questions kind of pop into my head. And, you know, I come from that generation uh, growing up in the 80s. You know, I was one of those, you know, those Hulk Hogan guys, Andre the Giant, yeah. uh, Roddy Piper, you know, th th those guys sort of stood out in my life experience. And, you know, I I've got to be honest with you, Steve, pro wrestling Man, what what an unbelievable feat in terms of physicality. Um, the thing I always appreciated about pro wrestling was it was this incredibly physical, you know, event. It was this, this physical endeavor, but it had such an unbelievable entertainment value at the same time. I mean, my father was more of a boxing kind of guy, which which is very much a discipline as well. But I always thought to myself growing up, this is so much more entertaining. Like I I love wow. I love this 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 form of entertainment. What I mean, I guess the question I have to ask you now that I'm thinking about the fact that you were wrestling with a prosthesis, what made you feel like, okay, I'm gonna transition to that. I'm gonna go from being an active guy, uh you know, building my body really, truly uh, uh, in, a, in an extraordinary fashion. But I, I think I'm going to throw myself around a ring too now. I mean, what was that mental process? <laughs> you just said it, mental process. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, so when I was in the hospital, I started training like literally a week or two before my accident is when okay. it, what happened was. Then I got my motorcycle accident and I was like, you know what? I'm still going to wrestle. So when I lost my leg <clears throat> in a motorcycle accident, a guy went through a stop sign, hit me, my leg got ripped off at the scene. So I got lifeline to Mass General in Boston. So I'm sitting there laying in there, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to wrestle again. So I told the nurses, I'm like, listen, I'm going back to wrestling, so whatever it is I got to do, let's get it done, you know. But my leg was ripped right off, so I couldn't put it back together because they just couldn't. Um, because uh, of the radiative fluid and all that stuff. So they had, they could never do anything to, so they had to keep it open for a month and do this, you know, wet gauze, rip it off dry. So it never, never got um, infected or whatever. So when I was in the hospital, I told them, I'm going to go back to wrestling. When I get out of the hospital, I'm like, I need a prosthetic now. So I called probably 30, 40 different prosthetic companies and nobody would help me because I didn't have insurance, first of all. And then I wanted to wrestle and nobody would help me. So the last place I went to, I walk out of there and the guy's like, we can't do nothing. You got no insurance and you, we can't, we can't get your leg to wrestle. So I'm like all depressed. I leave there. I'm on my crutches. 
I walked on this big thing and I'm like going down steps with crutches. If you got one leg and you know how to go down crutches on one leg downstairs, it's just not fun. So I'm all depressed. I'm like in tears. I hop in this old stinking Lincoln that I used to have and I get in it and I'm, I'm leaving and I'm upset. I'm crying. I'm like, this is it. I guess this is, this is, I'm never going to be able to do what I want to do. The guy comes running out. He goes, Hey, I just talked to this guy up in New Hampshire. Peter Kucha. I'm like, oh, well, who's Peter Kucha? He's, like, oh, he's a prosthetist. And I'm, I call him on my phone, you know, the old phones we used to have in 2000, you know? So I yeah. call him and I'm like, hey, buddy. Um, he goes, what are you trying to do? I said, bro, listen, I just want to wrestle. I don't have insurance. I don't have no money. He goes, where you at right now? I said, I told him where I was at. He goes, come on up. All you do is go up 25 more miles and we're on the right. Take this exit. Get off here. I get off there. I was walking in two weeks. And can uh, you can you repeat Can you repeat his name again? Peter Kucha. He just passed away okay. um, three months ago. Well, I'm but sorry to hear that. Yeah, I was trying. Was, I was, was trying to pay him some kudos, but I, I'm I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. But please go. He just his, he just passed away probably like seven eight months ago, and it really that was the one guy that that gave me my chance to be successful in wrestling. You know, he was like the guy that was like, "What do you want? What do you need?" He actually paid me to he paid me to train in Florida. So I never went out money because of him. You know what I mean? So I always owe Peter and his company, Next Step, uh, big kudos for what he does for people. And, uh, for sure. you know, and then for the last 10 years, I met Peter Stan Patterson. Uh, that changes everybody's life. POA Orlando is just, there's nothing like it in the world. No, it's, so it's, anyways, I got into yeah, wrestling. Keep going. I trained at Steve Kearns. Long story short, 2002, I got hired. Then I got fired right away because they hired the, another one-legged guy, Zach Gowan, all 130 pounds of the kid. Um, he took my contract, and Johnny Laronitis was a big thing. And fast forward two years, a couple of years ago, Zach Gowan filled out an application to 50 legs, and I was like, the old Steve was like, I ain't helping this son of a gun. He made me lose $3 million. So anyways, I ended up helping Zach get his leg that he needed. Um, and uh, it's just funny where, you know, where, where, where this charity's been started off, where it is now, and all the people, like you said, Hulk Hogan. I'm actually working at Hulk's house right now. As we, uh, I got to go meet Brooklyn when we leave here at the plumbing place to pick out all his new fixtures. So oh, it's awesome. kind of funny, like, when I'm with Hogan, I was with him all day yesterday and just sitting there going, you got to pinch yourself now and then because you're with the biggest name in the world. And wrestling, and and then you know, like you were saying, back in the eighties and nineties, that's when wrestling was fun to watch. Now it's right. like you're one hundred thirty pounds, you can do a moonsault. I'm going to give you a million dollars a year. It's just like it's not like it's nobody on TV intimidates me. Back in the day, you had three fifty, four hundred pound guys you knew could take care of themselves, and like the Samoans, the Hogan's, the Andres, the you know, I'm good friends with the Nasty Boys. Those guys can throw it out. You know what I mean? It's just sure. funny where it is now. Like, you will never see that good entertainment like it was, uh, you know, ever again, unfortunately. So, Sometimes, you know, I'm I'm getting up in years, so there there's a lot of parallels there culturally and, you know, from a generational standpoint. You know, I'm, I can be an old curmudgeon at times because I'm like, ah, there's no good music anymore, you know? Like, what, yeah, yeah. what why isn't music fun anymore? Everyone's like in a, yeah, you know, yeah. all these, all these sad songs and, you know, all this emo stuff yeah. going on. I, you know, I, I came from that time where probably a little bit like yourself, where it was, it was okay just to have a good time and to celebrate life and, and yeah. just to kind of be out there. 
and, you know, do all the things that as silly as it seemed, it, it was bigger than life. It, it, it was fun. And I saw wrestling very much in that spirit of celebration. And, uh, you know, I have to ask you a couple of questions because now, you know, now I've got you. I've got you here. <laughs> who, do you who do you consider, uh, in your humble opinion, who do you consider to be the GOAT? I mean, who is the greatest? I mean, in, in pro oh, wait, wrestling. Like, like, who is the best entertainer? All, ar best, all around. So, best, so, so let me let, let me draw a pair. Wrestling, yes. the best wrestler in the world. If you if you really know wrestling, you know John Cena can't wrestle at all. First of all, I mean he he's a great entertainer, but wrestling, I mean he just looks so unorthodox. The best wrestler in the world is Randy Orton. Okay, he can play babyface and he can play a heel better than anybody in the world. There you go. But the go obviously is Hulk Hogan. I mean he is still. You know, just with him the other day, and you know he's he's getting up in the years. You know, he's sixty eight now, and just seeing him, you know, for the last uh, six weeks, I've been at his house and just seeing him every day, and what he goes through is what he's done to his body. You know, like sure, like the kids nowadays, if they have an issue, they're in rehab or they're doing this, they're getting paid. Back then, they didn't get paid unless they wrestled. So if Hogan was the cod. You know what I mean? The main event, if if all the people depended on him to bring in all that big money coming in because they get paid by the events, you know what I mean? They got paid that way. So if they if you know Vince made 20 million, they'd split a million between all the boys. You know, obviously Hogan would get paid his amount, and then sure. the WrestleManias would get paid way more. So depending on where you are on the card, that's where the money was back then. Now these guys get four or five hundred thousand dollar contracts if they're sick or not, if they you know what I mean, they it, it's not like it used to be. I mean, there's no you know, I mean, they they're, were traveling, they're, you know, 65 years. I mean, sounds, years. Yeah, yeah, it sounds to me like what you're describing is, you know, back then, these guys weren't insulated. They didn't have all these safety, no. all these safety nets in place. Whereas, yeah. you know, you, you you came up in that generation of blue collar, like, hey, if you don't work, you don't get paid. That's just how it yeah, goes. Exactly. You know, and yeah. whether you're hurt, whether you're sick, uh, you know, uh, whether there's a pandemic, you know, going yeah. on, whatever you want to call it. Everything's okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so here's, here's the thing. Um, hearing that you going through what you went through, entering wrestling when you did, and even that becoming a little bit of an S curve in your life, um, once you were, uh, considered a pro wrestler, I, I think is a huge testament to your fortitude and resilience as a human being, stepping outside of, of, of everything else to say, here is someone that does not quit. Um, yeah. We all get down. Uh, you know, I've cried like a baby myself. You know, uh, for those of you who don't know, Steve is a... a uh, an RBK, he's a right below the knee, um, just like myself. So all of those things, packaging all of those emotions, dealing with a new prosthesis, you're really in truth, you're pretty much a brand new amputee. And to be embarking on a career that is so physical, so physically demanding, and, you know, such a punch in the gut, you know, 
uh, every night to <clears throat> suddenly be faced with, you know, some more struggle in terms of maintaining that position. Now, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? How am I going to salvage this situation? And to me, it just shows such an unbelievable amount of character and perseverance, which has obviously carried you through, you know? And I've often heard you say in interviews that you thank God every day. 100%. I knew exactly what you were going to say. <laughs> well, it, it's an, it, it, tr truly, Steve, it, it's an extraordinary statement, okay? It is. Um, to say, I thank God every day for losing my leg. Now, let's face it. There's lots of people in this community that do not feel that way. I mean, let's face it. They do not feel that way. And for you to say that, for myself personally, through, through my own lens, that piques my interest. That gets me going, and I say, huh, what's that all about, right? So when you say something like that, I want to know what that means, because I think your response is going to have a much higher purpose than you probably even realize for so many people. So I'm going to let you answer that question. Yeah. So, you know, when I was just um, growing up, you know, I, I grew up a tough kid and just thought it was cool to be a tough kid all the time <clears throat> and act the pot. You know what I mean? So when I lost my leg, <clears throat> it humbleized me to realize there's so much more out there than just being a tough kid going on weekends, going to bars and getting fights every weekend and just, just being an idiot, honestly, truthfully. So when I lost my leg, it, you know, it, you, I took a step back and I'm, when I was in the hospital for a month, you have a lot of time to think, as you know, you know, and you just go through all the thought process of what you want to do, and where, where you want to go with life. And I just chose, I went back to church probably like 14 years ago and uh, it saved my life. Um, and then when I started my charity 10 years ago, you know, I believe in God. So I believe there's a path to everything. Like we got so much awesome stuff going on for my charity right now. We're, you know, we're in the midst of um, signing the deal with a reality show right now and a lot of cool stuff going on. So the purpose is, you know, like when I started the charity, I wanted to help 50 people. Now we're over 600 and I have no complaints. Everybody I've helped is happy with the prosthetic company we chose to use. Um, and, you know, every morning I wake up, I kiss my cross and thank God that I lost my leg. And, and still, it's not fake. It's what I do every morning because, you know, there's so many people that I, I've met in the hospitals and, and, and talked to because I give my cell phone to everybody, whatever. Like, dude, I'm here to help any amputee in the world. You know, I'm not, I'm no doctor, but I can tell you right now, like I meet, I met a guy the other day. I went down to Bradenton, the, uh, this company wanted to give me a check. So I went down there, met a guy and there was this guy walking with the pin system on his leg below the knee. And I go, dude, that was cool back in the seventies. Maybe Vietnam days, those pin systems were cool. There's so much better out there, you know, that people don't get it because they, because they hear from their guy that, Oh, this is the new technology. I'm like, yeah, back in seventies, nothing's changed with these companies that, that, you know, these bigger companies don't change anything. They just keep everything the same. Cause if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let me get as much money as I can out of you. And that's where we, make the biggest difference in the world, I think, is because when I get kids' legs, I get them running legs, 
If they live in Florida, they want water legs. I get them water legs. I get them whatever they need to be a kid. And same thing with adults. You know, I don't buy I don't buy many adults legs, but if they're really, you know, active and that's what they've done their whole life, I'll get them running legs. But I mean, I got people that call me like, oh, those are cool. I want one of those. I'm like, oh, well, call another charity because I'm not wasting my money on. It's a cool leg to have. I got a running leg I got from one of my Marines that I helped that he gave me his because it was still under warranty. I got it. And that thing's been sitting in my closet. Yeah. So, so I don't, I don't mean to break your momentum. We're going to take a quick break and we are going to do a deeper dive into 50 legs, an incredible organization that is doing amazing things uh, from their charity function to all the prosthetics that they, they provide to this, what, what is continued to be a growing family of success stories. So Steve, don't leave. Um, we're going to be right back. Uh, and during this break, we're going to do a quick episode of a segment that we do called Amps You Should Know. We'll be right back. On Amps You Should Know today, I would like to introduce you to Katie Eddington. Katie is 13 years old. And she is, as an amputee, she's right knee disarticulation. She's been an amputee since December of 2015. Katie's story is certainly tragic at its start. She was involved in a lawn mowing accident in October of 2013. Uh, And after 22 surgeries, her leg was amputated in 2015. But here's the thing about Katie. This story has a happy ending because her favorite sport is track. She runs the 100, the 200, and the 400 meter. She is a record holder in the 100 meter in her classification. And she also plays volleyball at her school. Uh, Katie will tell you that she's inspired by people who are different and never give up. And that it's incredibly hard to be different if you cannot accept who you really are. Now, my question always when I hear those things is, where does this incredible wisdom come from someone who is just 13 years old? And I am inspired by Katie. I have followed Katie a bit. I actually know her mother, Samantha Eddington. These are two incredible people that are living as a family, the amputee lifestyle to the fullest. They are members and um, not only volunteers, but have a direct connection with the 50 Legs organization that we talked about in today's episode. And um, they're just remarkable people. I mean, just, just incredibly inspiring. And me personally, I am incredibly excited to see what is next for Katie, what is coming. I know that she wants to, to uh, partake in the Paralympics. And um, there's so much more that uh, is up on the horizon. So Katie Eddington is definitely an amp you should know. Hey, everyone, we're back. This is the Amped Up to 11 podcast. I'm your host, Rick Bonkowski, and we are fortunate enough to have Steve Chamberlain here today. Uh, In our last segment... Steve had started talking about his charity 50 Legs 
And I definitely want to get into more of that, given that there is uh, so much to tell about this organization and everything they're doing for the amputee community. Um, Steve, can you give me a little bit more detail in terms of how that all started? Like, what was the catalyst for what, you know, how 50 Legs just just was born? You know, how how that idea came about? Well, you're a wrestling fan, so you're going to love this story then. <laughs> so, Jimmy Hart, the mouth of the South. Oh, one yeah. of my dearest friends in the world. Like, you know Jimmy, I'm sure. Right? Of course, Jimmy. absolutely. Okay. So, we were, I wanted to, I was going to try to do the Paralympics. So I got into doing the shot put. I used to do it in high school. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go see if I can qualify. So you got to get a, you got to get invited into the Paralympics, I guess, for what I was trying to do. So you have to get qualified and do some things. So I was up at um, Wild World of Sports in Orlando with Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart was carrying my bag. And inside my bag was a, another leg. I had two legs. They had one that I'd use for throwing the shot put. And then, so Jimmy carried that. And then I had it on all day. And then he'd have my leg to switch into. You know what I mean? So I had two legs. Yeah. So Jimmy's carrying it. <laughs> so I go against guys with two legs and I win the gold medal. <laughs> and Jimmy goes, Steve, put your leg on now. Like he goes for the special effect. You know, he's like, nobody's going to know. Like, put your leg on now. Yeah. So I switch things, and this guy comes up to me, just got out of college. He goes, hey, thanks for embarrassing us. You didn't have to take your leg off, too. Like, it was just, dude, it was so perfect. Um, <laughs> it was just a great thing. So my buddy was open, opening up an Under Armour store in, in um, Madison, Georgia. Oh, Greensboro, Georgia. Greensboro, Georgia. Um, he was opening up an Under Armour store, and he said, hey, Steve, can you get some guys come down and sign some autographs in my grand opening? I'm like, yeah, of course. So it was me, Jimmy Hart, X-Pac. So the week before we're going there, he calls me and tells me, hey, this girl got in a, uh, an accident, lost her leg. Uh, maybe I'll reach out to the family. She was on the Today Show. Her name was Anaya Rucker. And uh, she got hit by a truck, broke her neck, broke her, uh, lost her leg above her knee, broke her a bunch of kidneys, just just a bunch of bad things happened with the poor little thing. She was 11 years old on the Today Show. And if oh, you've wow. seen it, you cried. So long story short is we go up there. I go meet the girl. I talk to her. And before I meet her, before I went up there, I said, you know, Jimmy, I, I said to my buddy, I goes, man, tell her I'm going to get her a leg. No idea why I said this to this day. This is why I say God has a big part of my life. So I'm like, tell her to get her a leg. And then next thing you know, we go up there and she asked me so many questions. And it was just cool being able to answer everything for her and making her feel like it was normal. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's weird. You're an amputee, you know. Uh, so like when people ask you questions, I tell them how it is. You know what I mean? I, like, like people want me to sugarcoat stuff. I'm not that guy. <laughs> you got the wrong guy. Just straight shooter. Me, I can tell you, I ain't sugarcoat anything. Yep, straight shooter. You still get phantom pain. I'm like, yes, I do. It's been 22 years. This weekend, Monday, is my uh, anniversary for losing my leg. I lost it on uh, Memorial Day. Wow. Uh, so this is 20, uh, 19, 23. What do you say, man? 23 years. 23 years. 23 uh, I had to ask my fireman, buddy. Which he ain't the brightest bulb either, but it worked out all right. He was here. He can add past 23. I'll be wishing you happy anniversary on uh, Memorial Day. Yeah, so we we got that. And um, I met the girl. 
answer questions. And Jimmy looks at me and goes, buddy, this is why you lost your leg. I said, 50 legs in 50 days. Jimmy Hart, the mouth of the South. I said, man, I love it. So here we are thinking we're going to do 50 legs in 50 days when I first started the charity, not knowing how much a prosthetic costs because I never had to pay for one. So I was like, holy shit, this is either going to work or it ain't going to work. And yep. then we started 50 legs. I got my 501c3. I did all that stuff. And um, next thing you know, I get a call from L.A. And I'm going, who the hell's calling from Los Angeles, California? So I thought Jimmy and Hogan were playing a rib on me saying, hey, this is extreme home makeover. And we understand we want to be you to be part of this and blah, 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 blah. And uh, I did it. Me and Jimmy Hart went up there, flew up there. We did extreme home makeover for this girl. She ended up getting a beautiful home. Uh, she got legs for life through a company in, in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, ended up being really cool for her. And um, it was it was pretty humbling. And then I did this talk uh, in front of all the producers and all the people. They said, Steve, you mind saying something? I said, so I, I talked for like three minutes and, all and if you've seen Extreme Home Makeover, you know that was a tear jerking show, you know. Oh, sure. So I get it. Anyways, the producer comes up to me and says, Hey, Steve, can we talk to you after? I'm like, Oh, shit. I don't know what I said because I, I was in the moment, you know, and I was tearing up and we all cried. And the guy comes up to me, I want to talk to you. I'm like, All right. So I don't know if I did something wrong or said something because I was, it, when I'm in the moment, I just speak out of the mouth, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't hold nothing back. So they said, they Of all the years they've been doing the show, they never, ever all cried. Everybody in the production, truck cried and uh unfortunately i didn't have my 501c status yet so they could never play that part of the show oh. all i was on was saying i'm getting you legs for life and that was it that's the only part of the show that i was on it, it, i wish they could play that redo that whole thing again now because it was it would have blew the charity up because everybody was crying everybody everybody were around um you know it was just it was cool. It really was. I know. Was like, I, I know that these, uh, you know, setting up these charities, there's a, you know, there's a lot of hoops. There's a lot of gymnastics. There's a lot of nonsense to go through oh. just to be able to, um, you know, be able to give back. Ironically, you know, you think you think yeah. some of these processes would be a little simpler. Um, yeah. But, you know, the law is the law and we all follow them. But here's the thing. You know, I look at 50 legs and I say, OK. This was started because you, Steve, Steve Chamberlain, look into the eyes of a kid and said, I'm going to get you a leg. You know, talk about divine guidance. I mean, when you think about it, you know, something compelled you to say those words. And to me, that is such a magical part of your story. Obviously, you had other resources you know, you had, you know, had other people behind you and there were, there, there was sort of, uh, this, this little sort of fan base of what you were trying to do that was slowly growing, but to think that it all sort of funneled down to that beautiful moment of you saying, man, someone needs help. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't even know what a prosthesis costs, but I'm going to, no yeah, I'm going to figure out a way to help this person get life back to normal again. And isn't that truly what all amputees are looking for? I mean, that's, I mean, that's really what this is all about, right? Totally. hundred percent, man. It really is. It's like, so it was like, it was my drug of choice. You know what I mean? I got addicted to it, honestly, like seeing a little kid take their first steps um, is 
I don't have any kids, so like I get to see it more than anybody does. I, I honestly, we're, we got a girl coming in, um, Claire Bridges. I don't know if you've seen her story. It's pretty big, though. She ended up getting the vaccination, and, and she ended up um, having a stroke. Oh, boy. And uh, she's only 21 years old. She just turned 21 maybe three weeks ago. She lost her leg about three months ago. And uh, she's been going through a lot. And she had a bad heart, so she should have never did it anyways. But <clears throat> she ended up um, losing both her legs yeah, below her knees. And now um, I talk to her a lot. And um, she's coming the 12th of next month to get her legs. And she's like a little kid, you know. So for me to be able to go to the hospital and meet her, and just set her mind at ease and knowing that we're going to take care of her. So there's no money come out of her pocket ever. I think that's a big burden for a lot of the families. Like I've, I've been to the hospital so many times with, you know, my first kid that I ever helped with a lawnmower accident was this little girl, Ireland Nugent here in Florida. Her dad backed up over her and she lost both her legs, uh, more than me at three years old. She is now mm. 12. And, uh, <clears throat> uh, it is, probably the coolest thing seeing where that girl has been in 10 years. I've been helping her. Um, and what, you know, when I seen her, she was breathing tubes and all this stuff and in the hospital and, you know, the family reached out to me and the, and the mother was like, I want to meet you now. So I literally went the day after she got hit the day after I was in the hospital with her and I never left every day. I went there and I bought the family lunch or whatever I was there for, lunch or dinner, I bought the family, I'd go there, whatever they needed. And me and Ireland just had this bond still to this day. Um, you know, she calls me Uncle Steve-O. <laughs> so they all call me Uncle Steve. She calls me Uncle Steve-O, though, because her father did. Um, he said when I walked in the bedroom, I mean, the hospital room, he said it was like you had a halo over your head when he told them that we didn't have to worry about finances. Because yeah. he's a, you know, they got like eight or nine kids between the two of them. And... um they didn't, you know, they don't have the extra funds to pay for that, a bunch of different things, you know? So it was, it was a really, I think that's when I, I realized that this was going to be good because you're helping, you know, we've helped over 600 people, never mind how many family, how many family members it affects, as you know, I mean, especially a kid. I mean, they, they need so much more care than we do, you know? Yeah. And they're constantly uh, growing. That's the other thing. Uh, every six months, the kids come back. People don't even get it. I tell people all the time. I go, do you think we just won and done and at 18 we cut them off? No. We help kids. Vets, I mean, no vets should ever have to pay for crap. I'm a firm believer in that. None. Zero. So my thing was always, you know, like I got I get a lot of vets that come from California. We buy their flights, pay for their hotels and all that kind of stuff. So and they got great insurance. So I just don't want any dollar have to come out of their money ever. Like it's 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 just so much easier, you know helping people, you know, it's, it's easy to be good. I tell people all the time, it's so easy to be a good person. It takes a lot of work to be an ass. Yeah. That's and, such uh, a, I think that's such a great mantra and, and life, you know, uh, credo is that it is so much easier to be good. And if you were to do a, uh, you know, at, I, HH is calling me right now. Oh, Kogan's calling me right now. Oh, there you go. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, oh, shit. Well, well, well. Hope, ho hopefully, that's not going to get you in trouble. Um, no, no, no. So, so what I'm trying to say here is when I when I've done a deep dive on you, uh, you know, on social media or YouTube or anywhere, um, the thing that I think probably has touched me the most 
is your relationship with children. And seeing you in so many, I mean, countless situations where these kids are are literally walking for the first time and, um, you know, there's Steve, you know, bigger than life, you know, big smile, big guy, you know, just like truly like the most gentle of giants saying, reaching down and saying, we're going to help you. You know, we're, we're going to help you get through this. And you're right. So much of what you do, it, it really spills over into so many different areas of those people's lives. You know, this conversation that we're having today, this will spill over into other people's lives and they will be inspired and they will be given new direction and they will find their path because there are options, there are resources. And, you know, I so appreciate the relationship in specifically that you have, um, you know, with children and all you're doing in that particular sort of amputee universe, because these images and the videos that I've watched, I mean, they're just, you know, you want to talk about crying. I mean, these things have definitely brought a tear to my eye when I think, oh my gosh, this is, this is just, this is the shit right here. This is what is happening. This is, is what life is all about. It's just such a celebration of the power that you and I have as humans to help other people. Because that really is what it's all about. I believe we're put here to help help each other, you know? And once you realize that power, it it feels really, really good, you know? And, And someone will say to me, well, you know, why is that person so philanthropic? And why are they trying? I'm like, do you have any idea how good it feels when you can help? Just just the buzz that you get from helping people and knowing that's that, the biggest high in the world. Oh, it it and for someone like yourself through the eyes of children, uh, you know, I would imagine that that is wonderful. You know, um, so you were talking a little bit about sort of the future of Fifty Legs and some of the other things that are in development. Can you, is that all like under wraps, top secret? No, nah, I own it. I can say whatever I want. Okay. <laughs> well, that's good news today. So, so what, 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 what are you willing to reveal to the audience today? What's, what's so happening? Anything, bro. I'm an open book, man. I mean, I just, so we've been, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, I got approached to do a show with a bunch of LA producers and stuff like that. And um, they, you know, they're, they're, they're so far left over there. They don't know what it's like. To, so they stopped every production thing because of COVID, sure. obviously, you know? So anyways, I was fortunate enough to, my contract was up and I said, you know what? This is too good. What I'm trying to, what I'm trying to show. It's way too good out to not shoot it. You know what I mean? So I, uh, we started shooting it and I have so much footage. It's ridiculous. And then um, just here recently, I've hooked up with some other LA people and they get it. They understand what we're trying to do. We're not reinventing the wheel. We just think there's so many good stories out there that need to be told that like I, I help so many different firemen, police officers that are, that are actually back to work because of us, you know what I mean? Because of POA and Stan Patterson and, what the prosthetic company I use does for people that think outside the box. You know what I mean? It's not, you know, I get people that, you, you know, like I said, we've helped 600 people and no complaints. So there's something with the, you know, and then 
our time frame is nobody does what Stan does, you know, from the from the from the Sundays, anybody out of state or out of town on Sunday, Stan sees them and custom makes their liners. Not when people say they got a custom liner, not the one because the guy trimmed it off the shelf liner. It's made like a broken leg, like you broke a bone. It's casted, it's molded, it's made to your stump. Because nobody's legs are the same. Stumps, nobody's. So meaning like, you know, those, those you know, like those other legs that make fart noises all the time because you get air in there. These, what we get, the one I get, it don't. I haven't had that noise in 10 years since I've been with POA. So that's the difference. And the time-wise, I mean, we got people coming in on Sundays that get casted Monday morning. They come back, their liners molded, they're getting fitted for a check socket already, and they're standing up by the end of the day on Monday. That's two days. They're walking, they're either walking late Monday or Tuesday, and they're usually gone by Friday with their new with brand new leg. Amazing. So when I hear these horror stories about taking three months to get a leg, I'm like, who the hell are you going to? Because everybody outsources their stuff. We do everything right there. It's got 30 employees there working. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you've never been to a prosthetic company. If you can Google, if you if you looked at POA, I mean, POACFL.com, you look at what we do there and what Stan started. And he's a good Christian guy. He doesn't do it for the money. I mean, before I came in there, he said he would have been bankrupt. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's so, that, that kind of work uh, is fantastic. And um, the fact that you have that kind of support, you know, for your organization, and, you know, it takes a village, right? You have to have a whole cast of characters, so to speak, to create these, this, this kind of momentum and um, to be able to do the great things you do. So what, is so, what, what I so appreciate is how you relate so much of the success of your organization to the many people that are supporting you and providing yeah. all of those services. You know, it'd be be very easy to say, yeah, I did it, you know? And you come from this place of, hey, let me share my family with you. Let me share my support staff with you. Let me share all these other resources because we do it in a certain way and we do it in a way that's successful. And um, you have people living, you know, better lives, uh, walking around right now and enjoying themselves because you just recognize that it takes more than just yourself. It's, it's, it's a whole staff and it's a it is, bro. Everybody says that they, you know, I always get the praises, but man, I can tell you right now, <laughs> it's not me, brother. Like I got, you know, I got Samantha, I got Katrina, I got Samantha's mom that works for the charity. Now we like, I have, three angels on my side. I mean, just the three people that never mind all the volunteers I have over every event we have. Yep. My friends just go above and beyond for me. They really do. And um, it's just probably the most amazing thing in the world. How you, 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 you vision something and you don't realize it's going to be to the point where it is, you know what I mean? So it started off with just a, yeah, we'll help 50 people. Now it's like, I, I want to help 250, 300 a year. That's my goal. Wow. Um, yeah. So last year, I think we helped 160. So my goal is to get a couple hundred a year. And, you know, you got to remember, we help these people, but all these kids come back every six months because 
you know, like yeah. Katie Eddington. She comes back twice a year because she's got now she's got the um the you know the junior national Paralympics coming up and a and a little bit here and all the other events that she does and all the other little girls from Texas from um you know uh we got people all over the country from Washington State to all over the world. I mean all over not the world, the country. And uh you just you know, last year was the first time I've ever seen all my kids. I had six of them compete, and it was the most. I will put it this way: I will never miss another one in my life because the families were so excited that I was there. Because a lot of people that have charities, they don't go to their events. I go to every one of my events that I can. I mean, every one. The only time I don't miss is if I'm double booked. Like I literally two weeks ago, I was in Boston. I flew in Thursday, flew home Friday after my golf tournament because I had an event on Saturday and Sunday. So, you know, it's time consuming. Plus I work seven days a week with my business. Right. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I got such a good team and I, I, I need their, I need them to make this successful. So without them, the charity be done, you know, honestly. Yeah. yeah no, I, I sometimes get dizzy following you. Cause I'm like, where the hell is this guy? Like he's all over yeah, there. Nobody me. They think it's fake. I'm like, dude, follow. look at my hands. Like I got cuts everywhere. <laughs> my hands from working. I'm like, it's just people just, they think they think I put it on Facebook to, you know, I I post I, you know I I post ninety nine point nine nine percent positive stuff you know yeah um because it's because it's because I see these kids struggles you know I got a call yesterday from one of the girls at Hulk Hogan helps actually um you know she's thirteen now and she's in school and a guy a kid said to her yesterday was uh oh you can't play any sports you got a prosthetic leg. And when I hear that, dude, I want to fly out there and beat the kid's family up. I want to beat the dad up and make them, you know what I mean? I just want to choke them. Like, so that at kind of stuff. At least, ver- at least verbally, right? Wink, wink. No, 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 physically. <laughs> I, I have somebody bail me out. I'm not good with none of that. You know, it just it shows you how ignorant the world still is to this day. You know, like. I know. All the craziness going on and all this bull crap. And you see, you know, you see somebody handicapped and, and you got to degrade them or talk to them like that. I mean, for what? It doesn't make you a better person by right. belittling somebody, you know, nobody, in the, only one perfect person in this world and they ain't on this earth right now. Yep. No, I hear you. And and you're right about the, the volunteers you were mention, mentioning and oh, yeah. all, all the events, you know, that you're a part of. I, I want to um, talk a little bit about the event that I was super interested in and following was when you had the the big show with uh, Brett Michaels, can you tell me about that? Uh, how that came about? So one of the kids I get legs for, her name's Sammy. She's in a lot of my videos. She lives right next to me. She goes to church with me on Sundays. I pick her up on Sundays. We go to breakfast and I take her to church and we go shopping because she's spoiled. I just bought a seven hundred dollar roller skates. Oh boy! Uh, and she's and she's a size nine and a half at ten years. She's only ten, mind you, too. Wow. So she gets a lot of Uncle Steve's love, that one there. So her dad and I are really close, and mother, we're like super close. I mean, she's been in my life for 10 years. She's one of the oldest kids I get, I mean, longest kids that I got legs for. So their cousin, my buddy Steve's cousin's well-to-do, his name is John. He's very well-to-do. And uh, and um, so, <laughs> so he said, for years, he's like, I'm going to change your charity's life. I'm going to give you money. So one day I go, hey, you cheap SOB. I go, when, are you, when is this life-changing check coming to me? And he's like, I got, I'm working on something. You, so call, you called his bluff. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no. So he got married and he had Brett Michaels, 
Tone Loke and Pat Benatar played his wedding. So him and Brett Michaels wow. became friends. And those of you who don't it. know who Brett Michaels is, he is the very, very famous uh, singer of um, Poison, who um, being a, a child of the 80s, I was a big fan of. Of course, I love oh, yeah. all things hair metal. But anyway, go on with your story. So he had Brett Michaels, Pat Benatar, Loke, and Tone Loke at his wedding. At his, oh, and Brett Michaels wow. became friends. Okay. So he's like, hey, I got this charity in Florida. Will you do this? And he's like, yeah. So we, we, he made it happen. I mean, it cost a couple, it cost him a hundred grand to get all these people for the venue and stuff like that. The charity made 200 grand. So he is, he, he did everything he said he was going to do. Gave us a hundred grand. Well, gave, you know, paid a hundred grand to have this thing. We raised 200. Wow. Uh, so no money came out of our pocket. It was all him. And we raised a ton of money and, and the notoriety we got. And Brett Michaels wants to do it every year now. And it ended up being something really special for us. And, you know, Ruth Eckert Hall stepped it out and they did a great job for us. They run everything. One of the best places to have a, a concert by far was, was there. And everything was perfect, honestly. You, you couldn't get a better day. And we had 30 of the kids on stage or 50 of the kids on stage. Yeah, I think that and was then, the footage you know, that really got me, man, was when I uh, saw all those kids on stage. Man, was that You know, cool. dancing and just being normal, being kids, man. Dance with Brett Michaels. You know, in the contract you signed with them, it's like, you can't take pictures. You can't do this. You can't go see him. And then he's seen all the kids. He's like, hey, Steve, can I talk to you? And he's like, yeah. He's like, hey, uh, I want to meet these kids. So he went back and spent probably a half hour with the kids, meeting them and shaking their hands, getting pictures with them. Yeah. So it was real cool. And then I called a favor to Hulk Hogan. I had Hulkster interview into introduce Brett Michaels live. <laughs> so that was huge. And, and it was the cool thing was Brett was like all excited about meeting Hogan and Hogan was about meeting him. And then Nick Hogan loves Brett Michaels. So Hulk Hogan goes, Hey, I know this is a weird question, but can I FaceTime my son? So he FaceTimed Brett Michaels with with Nick and it was just it was just a it was a really cool thing. I, I would think, you know, from where you were sitting, like through your lens, you're you're probably going, man, I'm I'm part of some really, really kick-ass stuff going yeah, on. You just you know, it was there was twenty five hundred people there and when when Noah Galloway, I don't know if you know Noah Galloway, he's an amputee military guy that was on Dance with the Stars. Okay. Uh, well, great guy, good friend of mine now. Uh, I met him at the Brett Michaels concert, but he's an amazing guy. And when he introduced me and I got a standing ovation for 2,500 people, that was probably the best feeling ever is being, not that I need a pat on the back. I tell people all the time, I don't need a pat on the back for what I do because it's simple. It really is. It's simple. I go, I go meet the kids. I go, you know, take pictures with them, uh, meet the family and just tell them life's going to be a lot easier with us. And, yeah. and that's just the way it is. I mean, you know, 10 years later, we're still here. Yeah. You know, a lot of charities go up and down and a lot of people live off their charities. We're not them, you know, we're not, the, we're not that group. Um, you know, we still, you know, I got, I got, I got three employees that work for my charity and I, I think I pay one of my board members paid their salaries last year and just gave us money to pay their salaries. So it never really affected us at all, you know? Well, that's, um, that's truly what, uh, you know, giving is all about. It's not about, totally. it's not about what's in it for me. You know, how am I going to obtain some kind of notoriety yeah. or, or, or fame or, you know, fortune? It's it's really just about the power of of giving. And uh, 50 Legs is truly an inspiration to everyone it touches. I, I highly recommend 
that you visit uh, 50legs.org. That is where you can um, learn more about the work that Steve is doing and um, the history of what they've done uh, continues to be a staple in the amputee community. And, uh, you know, in, in closing, Steve, I want to, um, of course, thank you. And I know we had a little bit of a time glitch today, but, uh, as always you, you hung in there like you always do. And, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna try to get this out to as many folks as we can and continue to spread the word. And, um, you know, I'm so, I'm so grateful, uh, cause I know how busy you are and, it's all good. and for you to be here, it's, it's actually, uh, uh, a little bit of a dream come true for me personally. And, um, you know, I, ho I hope that I, uh, at some point get to see you in person. Yeah, no, for sure. We'll, uh, we'll keep in touch anyways. And when, when I get this whole deal signed up and stuff, I'll let you really know what's going on with it. And then we'll, we'll be, We'll, we'll be uh, airing and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I, I appreciate all you're doing for the amputee world, brother. It is, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. There's so many good people out there that don't get the notoriety that they deserve, you know, and it's the unsung heroes, I call us, you know, it's like, you know, like, I just, I just want to be able to raise enough money to help enough kids. That's, that's the gist of this whole, when I started this 10 years ago was helping a couple people and not realizing where we'd be today, you know, and, it's just, you know, it's, I'm blessed to be part of a great team with, you know, 50 legs and POA, um, you know, we got POA, Tennessee, POA, Louisiana, and, um, it's the three companies that I, the only company that I'll ever use because I just, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yes, you know sir. I mean? We've been doing it so long with these people and it's just Stan Patterson's a godsend, good Christian guy, just doesn't do it for the wrong reasons. It's not about the money or I don't have, he don't have a board he has to answer to where we got to make this much more money a month off these customers and not get them what they need, you know? Yeah. So I, I just, I thank God every day that, you know, um, one of the kids that I got legs for, she introduced me to Stan and it worked out perfect. And, you know, we just bought her a new knee last two months ago and she's living a normal life. She was below the knee and then she was above and now she's, walking up and down stairs above the knee amputee killing it killing it that is so um, great so, i appreciate you uh appreciate you putting a cap on that the way you did uh that's 50legs.org that's 50legs.org -E my name is rick bonkowski that's going to wrap it up for us this is the amped up to 11 podcast and i just want to wish everyone health and happiness we'll see you next time